excited about this partnership because we're praying that together as Harbor Honolulu and Harbor Newton, we can be a community like we've been hearing about in Acts 2, a community that enjoys the favor of all the people around us, a community that joins the mission of Jesus to the people around us. What that means, though, is that we're going to have to relearn some things that we've kind of forgotten over the past couple of years. The pandemic has made us a little forgetful of some things. We're going to have to regain some muscle memory that we've lost over the last couple of years because the pandemic made us change patterns of life and, and ministry in ways that weren't always for the best. Well, we need to redo a little bit of what we do, and Paul is going to help us do that well in his letter to the, to the, to the church in Ephesus. So if you got your Bible, you can open to Ephesians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today. Ephesians 3. If you want to use those hardback Bibles around you, that's page 1037 in the hardback Bibles. Paul's going to help us regain some things that we've lost because during the pandemic, we all got a little bit of tunnel vision, right? We started focusing on a few certain things. Like early on, especially the first few weeks of lockdown, we were just focused on surviving. Just surviving this thing, right? Just keeping your job keeping your house, keeping your sanity while you were locked down with these people for all this amount of time. We were just focused on surviving. And then we all started getting a little cranky, being cooped up for so long. And so we started yelling at each other on social media. Remember that stage we went through? You just started scrapping with everybody. That was your focus. Scrapping about masks or vaccines or politics or protests. We were just focused on scrapping for a little while. And then the government started dumping all kinds of money in our laps that most of us didn't really need. And so then you started focusing on spending, right? You started spending on new clothes, a new couch, a new car, whatever it was. And you were so good at spending that congratulations, you've driven up inflation to the highest it's been in 40 years. Job well done, guys. So now we're back to surviving, right? Because you got to spend a whole paycheck to buy a box of Cheerios. So we're back in the square that we started in. For the last two years, we've been focused on spending and surviving and scrapping, but now God wants to widen that tunnel vision and help us focus on surging, surging forward, advancing his kingdom, breaking new ground for the gospel, advancing. Family, it is time for us to re-engage with our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates. It's way past that time. It's time for us to get serious about displaying the gospel and proclaiming the gospel. And Paul's going to help us do that here in Ephesians 3. Let's look at what he says. Ephesians 3, we're going to start in verse 7. Look at what Paul says. I was made a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers, to the authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. And so then I ask you, not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf as they are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth 
is named. That's the mission that Paul is focused on, and that's the mission we need to focus on too, bringing the gospel to every family on earth, starting with the family in your house and then expanding to the family next door and then expanding to the families who are represented in your classroom or your office or your school or work. We need to be bringing the gospel to the places where God's put us. There's an old saying about how you bring the gospel to someone. Three words. Prayer, care, and share. Prayer. That's where you start. It's where everything starts. You can't do anything until you've prayed. And then caring is where that relationship, where it's cemented. And then sharing is where it's all leading. Sharing what Christ has done and what difference it makes for our lives. We've got a mission to accomplish, and there's three easy steps to get it accomplished. So let's think about each of those three steps. First of all, prayer. Prayer. Look at verse 14 again. Look at what Paul says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We're going to see all three of these different steps here in Ephesians, and and this one is, is so important. Paul is praying for the unsaved families that he knows for the mission that he's engaged in because he knows that God is sovereign over every family on heaven and on earth. That's what it means to be named by God. It means he's sovereign over you. And so that's what gives us hope in this mission, knowing that God is sovereign over every single human heart. Only God has the ability to turn a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And we've got this open door to him. We're, we're able to just get into his DMs, right? DM him anytime and ask him to do that. So why don't we take advantage of that opportunity? I saw a survey came out this year. This, they interviewed regular church attenders, and they found that more Christians prayed last month to win the lottery than there were Christians who prayed to win their unsaved neighbor to Christ. More Christians were praying about winning the lottery than praying about their neighbors. We are focused on spending and surviving. But Paul is focused on surging. Surging forward with the gospel. That's why he's always praying for people. And he was, he's always inviting us to pray alongside him. Look at what he says in Colossians 4. Colossians 4, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. Okay, look at what he says there. Be devoted to prayer. Don't be hit and miss. Pray for your unbelieving family and friends regularly. Have a system for it. Don't give up on it. Then he says, be alert in prayer. Don't be casual. Don't be laid back. Don't be lazy Stay alert and awake like, like a guard at Fort Knox. Man, if a guard at Fort Knox falls asleep on his job, yeah, he'll lose some money. But if we fall asleep on our jobs of praying for our unsaved family and friends, we're going to lose some lives. we got to stay alert. we got to stay awake in prayer. And then Paul says, be thankful in prayer. Don't be doubtful. Remember how God's answered your prayers in the past and, and trust him that he's going to answer your prayers again, just like he has before. Thank him in advance for that. That's how your prayers become powerful. 
Just keep praying for God to open that door to speak the mystery of Christ. Maybe you've been knocking on a closed door for a long time. Maybe there's somebody that you've been sharing the gospel with for a long time and you just haven't seen any movement. Like a close friend of ours who was praying for her Buddhist dad, sharing the gospel with her Buddhist dad for 20 years. He came to Harbor a bunch of times. He came over to our house a bunch of times. And he would always have like different random questions about Christ, but he was never willing to commit his life to Christ. Until one day, he had this radical experience where God just confronted him with his sin and God poured out forgiveness through Christ and and he repented. He put his faith in Jesus. He wrote a letter. Here's what he said. Jesus made me see my need for him like I've never experienced before. I felt a strong and sudden emotion going through me and I started crying and my stomach was shivering. And now I believe with all my heart that God has entered into me and the Spirit has awakened me in a very special way. A way that I could not describe in words, but I feel that God is present in me. Amazing. I had dinner with him a couple days after that. He was still in tears, sobbing because of the the way that he knew God was with him now through Jesus Christ. So he was a new man, but that took 20 years. 20 years. Maybe there's people you've been praying for and, and that door has been closed for decades. Maybe you've given up all hope. You just feel like, man, they're just spiritually dead. They're dead. You know what Paul would say to that? You're absolutely right. But so were you. You were dead too, and God raised you from the dead. He says in Ephesians 2, right before this passage, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. It's not like you are any less dead than your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate. Okay, this isn't the prince's bride. There's no such thing as mostly dead. That's not a thing, okay? There's no such thing as partially dead or almost alive, You were dead, and dead is dead. But God's in the business of raising dead people to life. And so that's why we gotta keep praying. We just gotta keep praying. Prayer comes first. And then next, care. Care. Look at verse nine again. Paul says his mission is to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, to shed light on the mystery. Remember, in biblical terms, a mystery isn't something that nobody can figure out. A mystery is something that was hidden, but now it's revealed. And what's been revealed is that God made a way to reconcile us to himself and take away the punishment that we deserve for our sin. And the way that he accomplished that was by taking that punishment and laying it on his son Jesus instead. The mystery is that God died so you wouldn't have to die. The mystery is that God gave up his life so you could have eternal life. He cared for you by dying for you. And Paul says he wants to shed light on that for all. 
of God's care for us. You know the best way to shed light on God's care for you? It's to imitate his care for you to the people around you. You'd be like, okay, I guess I could do that, but, but how do I do that? Lucky you, I have seven suggestions for you, okay? Here's seven ways that you can care for the people around you. Seven ideas to show God's care. Here's number one. Talk to your coworkers. Just talk. We've kind of forgotten how to do this over the past couple of years, but just strike up some conversations. Don't eat lunch alone at your desk. Man, that's sad. That's just really sad. Definitely don't eat lunch alone in your car. That's tragically sad, man. Invite your coworker out to lunch. Go with your coworkers out for Pauhana after work. Just find ways to build relationships. Look for ways you can help your coworkers out. They need help with Excel, Salesforce, whatever it is. Look for a way to help them. Help them make connections with other people who will help them advance in their career. Just look for ways to build relationships at work. Number two, serve your neighbors. Serve your neighbors. Offer to help them out with package deliveries or repair appointments or babysitting, whatever it is. Man, if you've got a mango tree or a papaya tree in your backyard, you know you've got to share that with your neighbors. Look for opportunities to go over and talk story. If you don't have a tree, bake some cookies. Bake some banana bread. Just take it over. Say, I, I had these extra. Look for a way to start that conversation. Volunteer for your homeowners association, your condo association. Just get creative, man. Look for ways to bless your neighbors, care for your neighbors. Number three, be a regular. Be a regular. When we go to the grocery store, we always go about the same time. Cindy always guides me towards the same cashier who knows us and strike up a conversation. We're just regulars, you know. Whenever I go for coffee, I go to the same place I've been going for 17 years. Since they opened, I know the owners really, really well. Whenever I get my haircut, I've been going to the same guy for years, right around the corner. That's what led us to the Kakako block party that we were able to do last month. Just look for ways to be a regular and, and show that you care regularly for the people around you. Number five, I'm sorry, number four, find a hobby or a sport. Find a hobby or a sport. And if you've got kids, it's going to be really natural. You're going to be at all of their hobbies, their sports, right? But that gives you great opportunities to talk story with the other parents sitting on the sideline or in the stands. If you don't have kids, go join a canoe club, jujitsu, man, CrossFit, whatever it is. If, if you surf, go surf at the same surf spot. If you play basketball, go play at the same court. Just go have fun. See what God does. Number five, walk, don't drive. Walk, don't drive. And this one's easy to convince you of now that gas prices are through the roof. You're already thinking about this already. But let me encourage you some more. Before you go somewhere, don't just automatically jump in your car. Think for a second, could I walk there? If you can, great. Don't pop in your AirPods, okay? Don't do it. Don't stare down at the cement while you're walking. Keep your ears open, keep your eyes up, and look for opportunities to engage. Look for conversations you might have. Look for somebody who needs a little bit of help transferring something out of their car. Look for new connections that you can make. As you're walking, pray. Make it a prayer walk. Pray for the people that you see. Pray for the, the neighborhood that you're in. Number six, 
go to neighborhood events because neighborhood events are back. So look for things to do where you can connect with people. Okay, that's the key. Not all neighborhood events are the same. Okay, this weekend, if you were looking for something to do, you had a couple options. You could either get $3 movie tickets for National Cinema Day, or you could go to the Okinawan Festival. Okay, so you could sit alone in a dark room. That was your first option. Or you could go connect with people and talk with all the people like selling crafts and orchids and andagi, right? If, if I've got the option for andagi, I'm always going to choose andagi. But conveniently, that's also the option that allows me to connect with people, talk with people. Look for opportunities to make connections in your neighborhood. Number seven, volunteer in your neighborhood. Look for practical ways that you can bless your neighborhood. Like second Saturday of every month, we do Kakako Kako neighborhood breakfast. We serve breakfast to our neighborhood. You can volunteer for that. It's happening this Saturday on our events page. You can volunteer for that. Or you got another opportunity that Mike just told you about a month from now with the blood drive. So we'll have a table downstairs right after the service where you can go sign yourself up. They're not going to poke you with a needle today. You'll, you'll have a whole month to psych yourself up, to give blood. You can do it. But there's so many opportunities there that we've got. There's so many ways that you can display the gospel to the world around you. So many ways you can care for our city just the way that Jesus cared for you through the sacrifice that he made for you. And family, I am stoked to see so many of you guys doing that. It really does make me excited to see so many of you guys serving our city in really tangible ways. It's awesome. But here's the thing. For a lot of Christians, that's where it ends. That's where it ends. A lot of us are like, well, I'll just, I'll just be really nice to everyone, and then hopefully somebody will ask me if I'm a Christian, you know? Hopefully that'll happen. I know St. Francis of Assisi said, hey, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words, whatever, but it's like me saying, give me your phone number, and if necessary, use digits, okay? I don't know any other way to do it. Smoke signals, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of necessary to use words to share the gospel because the gospel is good news. You can't share news without words. It's got to be spoken. So that's the last step. Share. Share. Look at what Paul says in verse 7 again. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Okay, that's what Paul's doing. He's proclaiming the incalculable riches of Christ. He's sharing the gospel. And we're called to the same thing. Family, you are commissioned to share the gospel. You're commissioned to that, just like Paul was, because he said, I was made a servant of the gospel. In other words, that's my new job. My job title is now Servant of the Gospel. And you've got the same job title too. That's your job. And there's a day coming where you'll have a performance review on what kind of job you did. There's a day coming when we will be held to account for all of the opportunities that God gave us to share the gospel. Did we take advantage of it or not? 
Maybe you're like, well, I'm, I'm just waiting for God to lead me, that, for, for God to tell me when's the right time to share the gospel. I'm waiting to hear his voice. You know what Jim Elliott said about that? He was the missionary who, who died sharing the gospel. He said, you don't need a voice, you've got a verse. You don't need a voice, you've got a verse. In fact, you've got all kinds of verses telling you to go. It's time. Go and share the gospel. And here's the good news. God isn't just going to tell you to go, give you a verse, slap you on the back and say, hey, good luck out there. Good luck, sport. You know, he's not going to do that because here's the other thing. You're equipped to share the gospel. Equipped, Paul says in verse 8, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Okay, so God gave Paul his grace to empower him to proclaim his grace. And if God can equip the least of all the saints, I love how Paul always describes himself like that. If God can equip the least of all the saints to share the gospel, I kind of think he can equip you and me to share the gospel too. He'll give you the wisdom that you need. He'll give you the words you need. He'll give you the favor that you need. He'll give you the confidence that you need. He will. Because here's the other thing, family. You are honored to share the gospel. This is something that we are honored to be able to do. I, I, I know sometimes we feel ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes we feel like we're pushing something on people. But did you notice what Paul says he is proclaiming? He's sharing the incalculable riches of Christ. The gospel is all about the riches that Christ wants to pour out on people. If you've been saved by Christ, you really did win the lottery. You really did. And now you just want to share it with the people around you. That's all it is. I don't know if you saw in the news this week, there was a lottery ticket that was bought that's still out there somewhere, hasn't been claimed yet, that's worth $1.34 billion. Craziness. Some guy walked into a gas station on July 29th in, uh, where is it? Des Plaines, Illinois. I don't know where that is. Des Plaines, Illinois. Bought a lottery ticket, still unclaimed, worth $1.34 billion. So just imagine with me. Imagine maybe that guy bought it, stuck it in his pocket, and then forgot about it. Maybe he came to Hawaii on vacation. Maybe he came to Kaka'ako, a dinner at uh, Merriman's or... or or lunch, you know, somewhere along the street. Maybe, maybe as he's pulling out his rental car keys, that lottery ticket slips out of his pocket. He doesn't even realize it. Falls out on Kamake'e Street. So now, when you're walking out of church today, you walk out, you look down, and there's a lottery ticket sitting there in the middle of the street. You reach down, you pick it up, you stick it in your pocket, and you get home, you look up the numbers online and you realize this lottery ticket is worth $1.34 billion, with a B, okay? With a B. You are stoked out of your mind. This is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to you. But then you think about it for a second. You're like, how in the world am I gonna spend $1.3 billion? I can't spend that much money. I got to share it. I got to share it. So you decide you're going to call up some of the people that you know. 
You're going to split the ticket with them. You're going to find 10 friends to split this ticket with. So you, you call them up. And you're like, hey, okay, here's the thing. We got to go claim this ticket. I want to split it with you. You just have to fly with me to Des Plaines, Illinois, and you can have $100 million. Just, just come on the plane with me. We'll go claim it. What do you think your friends are going to say? Nah, I don't really like the mainland. Nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. Are they going to say that? Nah, that, that ticket, that would cost $700. I, I don't think I can do that. No way, man. They're going to run to the airport and jump on that plane with you and go claim those incalculable riches. That's what they're going to do. So family, I know it feels like you're making a big ask when you share the gospel with your family and friends. I know it feels that way. You're asking them to give up their pride and repent of their sin. You're asking them to give up their lives for Jesus. I know. But what Paul is reminding us here is, is that you're not making an ask when you share the gospel. You're giving a gift, the incalculable riches of Christ. Riches that don't just fade away when you die here on earth. Riches that you can take with you forever, like we've heard before. Joy in the midst of suffering. Confidence in the face of guilt. Contentment in every circumstance. Freedom in the midst of constraint. Peace in the midst of problems. Love in the midst of rejection. Strength in the midst of weakness. You're offering them a winning lottery ticket. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to think of one person in your life who hasn't yet received the riches of Christ. There's one person in your life who doesn't know Jesus. If there's not one person in your life who doesn't know Jesus, get a life, okay? There's got to be. There's got to be at least one person you know who doesn't know Jesus. I want you to get their face in your head right now. And I want you to commit right now to start praying for that person seriously, regularly. Maybe it's someone you were praying for a while ago and you gave up. Commit right now. Start praying for them again. Commit to look for ways to show care for them. Above and beyond what they would normally expect. How can I care for this person? Really tangibly. And then commit to look for ways to share the gospel with that person. With words. With words. I know it seems like a lot. Maybe you're still nervous. Maybe you're still doubtful. Maybe you still feel like, man, that this person, there's just no hope with this person. Well, Paul knew you were going to feel that way. He knew you were going to think it's impossible. And so he gave you an incredible promise right at the end of this chapter. We're going to close with it. Why don't you just close your eyes and, and receive this promise, receive this prayer. Paul says, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And Father, we claim that promise right now that you regularly do above all that we ask or think or imagine. Thank you 
that you do that. Thank you for the hope that gives us. Thank you for the confidence that gives us. Knowing that what we see as impossible, you see as Tuesday morning. Thank you that you took spiritually dead people like us and brought us to life. And so we have full confidence that you can do the same for the people that you've put in our lives. Thank you for the death of Jesus that took away our death. Thank you for the life of Jesus that gave us eternal life. Help us to see and appreciate the incalculable riches that we have in him. So we just can't stop ourselves from sharing those riches with the people around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.